When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today on the Zabecast, are we really comfortable living in an all-electronic age of tickets? Ted Leonsis and the Capitals and Wizards think so. Ron Thomas, my Hoosier homeboy, will give me his thoughts on the President's Cup comeback and Tiger 3.0, amongst other things. All that plus the Jaguars whack Tom Coughlin, mafia style, just 18 months after a new deal. Your bonus 30 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Thursday, December 19, 2019. Thank you very much for downloading. And we have got a lot to talk about today, today, so we will get right to it. First of all, Garrett Cole had his press conference in New York City today, or at least not today, but Wednesday, as I taped this. Um, and he pulled out the sign that he had as a kid, photographed famous, now famous, a photograph of him as an 11-year-old boy at Yankee Stadium with a sign that said, Yankee today, Yankee tomorrow, Yankee forever, or Yankee fan today, tomorrow, forever. And he brought the sign with him to his presser. It was, I thought, a kind of a neat moment. Now, of course, my Astros friend, Scott Shirey, saw nothing of that being a neat moment. As many point out, Garrett Cole, oh, he's such a lifelong Yankee fan. Well, he was drafted in the first round by them, but didn't sign. Had a chance to work his way there. uh, But now, finally, he's decided he's a Yankee. 324 million reasons to be a Yankee once again. Eh, That's a cynical take right there. I get it if you're bitter, if you're an Astro fan. That said, I was shocked by the number of people that thought the sign might have been fake. I know you're saying to yourself, but Zabe, you're the guy that says everything is a work these days. You're the one warning people. How do we know if we believe this? It looks too perfect. How come the sign is different? It doesn't look, the, the letters are yellow. That ain't the real sign. That was really a thing going around. Garrett Cole fanboy sign truthers, including my own producer, Sally, who should be smarter than this. I said, nah, that looks like a faded sort of weathered sign that's been sitting in someone's closet for 20 years. I don't think you can fake something that looks like that. He laughed, Solly did, like, what do you mean you can't fake a sign? I said, you can't fake it looking that old and faded. Some people were like on the internet, how come the letters are yellow or gold now? And they're, they were blue back in the day. Yeah, right. I'm like, people are pointing out, no, it shit fades. 
Don't you get it? It's 20 years old. And besides, what would be the benefit to go about an elaborate fake that would almost surely be sniffed out? And why would Garrett Cole go along with that fake? What benefit is it to him? Makes no sense. It was the real sign, but people sort of got all wrapped up in that. Interesting tweet about how Garrett Cole thanked Marvin Miller and Kurt Flood in his press conference. As well he should and every player making these insane mountains of money. Note, I didn't say they are unfair mountains of money. Fairness has nothing to do with nothing. I'm just saying they are insane. $324 million is insane, all because Kurt Flood basically flushed his own career to challenge the reserve clause and that Marvin Miller, the first real head of the players' union, was smart enough, bold enough to say, listen, you guys are getting taken to the fucking cleaners. Stick together, break the system, and start making the money you guys deserve. Good that they did that. Good that Garrett Cole mentioned those two guys. Uh, when asked about how much, how does he know so much about baseball labor history, apparently Pirates catcher John Buck, back in the day when Cole was a Pirate, used to drag rookies to the front of the bus and ask them about Marvin Miller and Kurt Flood. And he would say things like, get your fucking book reports ready, kids, because I'm going to quiz you on this. That, that is great right there. There's a interesting... Uh, picture of Big Ben on the sideline the other night in the Pittsburgh game looking a lot like Yukon Cornelius from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. And when I saw the two side by side, I'm like, oh my God, that's so perfect. He's looking big. The beard's looking big. You wonder yourself when, when he does decide to come back, he says he wants to, he's going to come back and play but I'll believe it when I see it. He's going to have to go on a bit of a diet. He's going to have to go on a bit of a regimen because right now it does not look like he could play football tomorrow if he was healthy. Follow-up. I didn't talk about this on the Zabecast to my knowledge or recollection. I don't keep very good records, but I talked about it on uh, both my radio shows. Someone designed a toilet meant to uh, angle downwards at 13 degrees to get workers to not just sit on the crapper for a long time and avoid work at places of business that have bathrooms. I said this was insane and inhuman because after like five minutes, they say your legs will strain to the point where you got to get up. Unless you're a world-class downhill skier, good luck surviving more than five minutes on the 13-degree inclined toilet meant to kick loafers off the can and back to their cubicle. Okay. Somebody said, well, there's got to be a countermeasure to that, like a 13-degree wedge that you can carry in there and just put it right right on the seat, and now you're back to even. Someone will come up with it if they really start installing these. Somebody had the best line for this toilet, calling it the launch angle toilet. I'm like, perfect. Somebody else said, yeah, that sounds like a bad toilet, but is is it as bad as the shot clock toilet, which is the toilet in a public restroom in which if you sit down, 30 30 seconds or thereabouts later, I'm not sure if it's exactly 30, it will flush automatically. It'll do an automatic courtesy flush. Even if you have not finished your business, usually spritzing you with disgusting public 
toilet water all over your butt and exposed Bombay doors, as the grease man used to call them. The Bombay doors. <laughs> For those who are in the D.C. area, you knew the grease man. You know exactly the reference I'm talking about. I love the, the term shot clock toilet, though. That is really funny. Um, how about the shocking firing of Tom Coughlin? This just after the stories broke today that the NFLPA had won big grievances against the Jaguars over fines issued to Leonard Fournette and, uh, oh, God, the linebacker. I can't pull names anymore. It's killing me. Uh, former Gator, he's now at the Rams, Dante Fowler. Fournette was fined ninety nine grand for sitting on the bench when he was inactive in week 17 of last year. He was kind of laughing it up and, and kind of making a mockery of things. It wasn't a good look, but a, a $100,000 fine for that? Fowler was fined, meanwhile, upwards of $700,000 for missing 26 different appointments and or doctor's visits or training visits in the offseason, which, again, I mean, look, if this is part of the agreement and part of the uh, treatment protocol, I guess he was rehabbing his injury away from the facility. It just strikes me as way too hard-ass, and I'm like, God, this Coughlin is a real dick. Well, he got whacked literally hours after those reports came out. Apparently, Shad Khan of the Jaguars had decided a while ago that he was going to make a change. This is this is just 18 months after he signed a big new deal. And this is just less than two years after they were in the AFC Championship game. And they were within, you know, fourth quarter, 10-point lead, and they end up spitting the hook and losing to the Patriots. J.P. Finley of the... Uh, of NBC Sport, NBC Four, Washington, and no, NBC Sports, Washington. Jesus, slow down, Zabe. You get, you get rushed. You, you get feeling like you got to keep pushing the tempo on your delivery. Slow down, slow down, slow down. J.P. Finley of NBC Sports, Washington, tweeted something to the effect of, "Wouldn't he be great here with the Redskins?" He's a no-nonsense guy. He builds winners. He'll change the culture. Hey, JP, he ain't winning shit right now in Jacksonville. And they're not making good financial decisions. You can say uh, the situation with Jalen Ramsey was not the team's fault because he just decided I wanted out. But maybe Jalen Ramsey wanted out because Tom Coughlin is an insufferable hard-ass that today's player doesn't want to put up with. See, it's easy to go, I'm going to come in, crack skulls. Here's how it's going to be. If you're five minutes early to a meeting, you're late. Take a lap, Woodcock. You know, if that's the case, I'm not sure that's going to resonate in this day and age. You need both, you know, a, a coaching staff and an organization that keeps people accountable, but doesn't treat them like just fucking cattle or children. And I'm not sure what the culture is and. Jacksonville, but I know this. Don't say, oh, he'll be, he builds winners. They got to the AFC Championship game, I think as a wild card, pretty sure. Maybe they won the division, but uh, no, they didn't because they, they only had one home game. Eh, maybe they didn't win the division. That was a year they beat Buffalo, then they went to Pittsburgh. They shocked Pittsburgh, and then they went to New England. Um, They might have just gotten lucky. That's the thing. They, 
they clearly might have just sort of rode into a little mini hot streak, and they were not winning right now. Shad Khan is not a knee-jerk kind of an owner. Doesn't strike me as such. So, no, I want no part of him in Washington. Tom Coughlin. Tough guy Coughlin. Oh, wait, Ron. Ron. There we go. There we go. All right. There we go. Calling up Ronnie right now. Hello, Steve. Ronnie boy! Thank you for waiting. Uh, Had to push you back a little bit. You know, things always get in the way. How you been lately, brother? I've been good. I've missed you. I've missed talking to you. I know. Well, here we are, which is good timing because... There's good golf stuff that is now on the table after the President's Cup. I'll start with this. How much of it did you get to watch? I got to watch a lot of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, And unlike uh, many people uh, that I know, they did not realize that it was a 16-hour difference. So I had people come up to me on Monday or contact me on Monday, even my mother, on Sunday evening, say, oh, my God, they won, they won. <laughs> Because they I watched, said, yeah, the, mom, they did. They won last night. They watched. I, I didn't watch. <laughs> they watched the. You know what they did? They watched the NBC replay on Sunday afternoon. NBC because they don't have you know football during the day. They just re-racked that final round. I mean, it's Tiger Woods, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, the replay on Sunday. Uh, I did though. I watched a lot of it, and I and I'll tell you, I enjoyed it a great deal. That golf course looks so good, doesn't it? Oh, the whole sand belt is apparently incredible and it's got to be on our bucket list ronnie to get down there somehow someday some way just because of the style of golf course it is firm and fast angles and run out yet without the kind of harsh scottish winds or weather it's more temperate it's warmer and the features of the bunker faces and the contours are far more severe than what we see in scotland the I cannot believe the way that the bunkers come right up to the edges of the greens and yeah. the fairways. It's insane. There's no first cut. You know, we're so used to having a first cut. Right. But everything just rolls in. And then, of course, it rolls all the way down to the bottom. So you do have a good bunker shot out of it, which is how they're building bunkers now. Um, you know, having the ball roll down to the bottom. But There's no rakes. Alice, There's no yeah. rakes either. They're just right. little like sticks, like paddles. They sort of smooth it out. Yeah, and to think that Alistair McKenzie designed that in 1921 or whatever it was, and that it stood the test of time the way it has, it's place is spectacular. Alistair McKenzie, uh, a name that casual golf fan, well, not casual golf fans, let's say non-golf fans may not know. He designed another course in the States, Ron, of some repute. Care to tell people what that course is? Augusta National, just oh, that little place. Oh, <laughs> yes, a little place like that. Yes, Alistair McKenzie, yeah. same guy. Okay, let's put Tiger Woods up on the table here to talk about what he did as a player slash captain, which is kind of unprecedented in the modern era, or at least the last 50 years uh, of the Ryder Cup and or now the President's Cup. For him to be a player captain, captain to be the best player on our team, the best player on their team, and to babysit a pudgy child and to, to engineer a comeback uh, on the other side of the earth, I thought was amazing. I did too. Amazing. And, uh, 
You know, this guy, just when you, you don't think he's going to bounce back in all different aspects of life and golf and things, he does. And he has. And you can't help but like him the way he is carrying himself right now. Obviously, you know, we aren't in the room with him. We don't hang out with him daily, but it just seems that he's got his shit together. And you could tell he took this captaincy very, very seriously, right. which is the only way Tiger's going to do it. But, you know, I want to jump to Saturday. Okay. And I'm sure we'll talk about Patrick or whatever. But the fact that he sat out Saturday, both morning and afternoon, and the great stories that are being told, especially Fred Couples, how he talked about when they were talking on the headset and Tiger said, my body, I just can't do it. <laughs> Couples said he wanted to puke. He said, I felt like I wanted to throw up. He said this on his serious X XM show. Really? He said, what are you talking about? So he tried to change Tiger's mind. Uh, and then Zach Johnson said, are you sure Tiger, you sure he can't go? And, but he knew. And what I think it's incredible that he did that, that he took himself out of the, out of the lineup. And he said, that he trusted his boys. He said, I trust right. my boys. And of course they picked up four points to make it 10 to eight going into the singles, which was huge. Yeah. But for him to sit out, I thought that was really cool that he did that. Well, it's a, it's a, it just shows you he had a good sense of his team. I'm struck by how here was a guy, Ron, that used to practice alone at Ryder cups <clears throat> at O dark 30 off the back nine. So as to not be burdened by the media not have to even see his teammates for the Ryder Cup. That's how much disdain he had for these team events. He had no connection to other players. And now he is universally loved by all the players. And it's an, a remarkable change. It really is growth. I, I cannot give it up to him enough for this. He's a better golf person. I don't know what he is as a person person. Because nobody knows with these athletes. That's why we were right, so shocked not, when his life fell right. apart. We're like, holy shit. But as a yeah. golf person, it's like, fucking A, great. And he's yeah, playing great. I'll be damned if he isn't the best player in the world right now, too. Yeah, and his swing looks effortless. Uh, it's it so used pure. to be a violent lash. Now it's just like, boop, boop, and there goes the ball. And he's, well, what out he's done driving Steve, what dudes. He's Yes, and what he's done is he's gone back to his natural feel, to his natural game, his natural swing. There's, It's not so technical. There's not so many rehearsals yeah. of the pre-shot routine, and he's just getting up and he's playing, and you can tell he's, in, he's enjoying the game a great deal. But I, I just think that, you know, and this is a very silly comparison, but I'm going to put it out there. Our, your Potomac Cup me being the Maryland captain, you being the Virginia captain. I really enjoy being a captain so much that, again, it sounds silly, but I, I could see where he wanted to just have a full day of being a captain. Sure. You know, it's cool. It's a really yeah. cool thing. Now, in our event, in your Potomac Cup, we do have that day where you and I go out and play, and you beat my ass, by the way, the last time well, we had singles. No, we have. <laughs> oh, did ass. we have? We have. Felt like okay. a win, though. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I'm saying? I mean, to, to put his trust in the boys like that and his team, his boys, as he called them, but uh, just to be a captain, you know, cause he's put so much effort into it and you know, what goes in the effort that goes into being a captain, obviously not a president's cup captain, but you've done the uniforms, you've done the team room, you've done all this. And 
you know, that's a lot. There's a lot of build there's a lot, up. There's a lot to it. Now, of course, they overload these teams with assistant captains, and he was given big credit to uh, Strixie and Cupsy, uh, be for couples, right. and and <laughs> and Zach, Zaxy, I think he called them, all these yeah. silly-ass names. But uh, my producer, Solly, you know Solly, actually had a good question when I talked about this on Monday. He said, well, how hard is it really being a captain? And I said, well... If your guys are better than the other team, it's not that hard. But you can fuck it up. And I said, Hal Sutton fucked it up. Because back then, 2004, Oakland Hills, he said, Tiger, Phil, world needs you guys to play together. The game needs it. So we're going to do this. They fucking hated each other at that point yeah. in their careers. They didn't play the same ball or the same game. It was a disaster. It was a forced pairing. There was no chemistry. There was nothing, no mojo. And they got waxed twice. And that was off and running to a big defeat on home soil. So he fucked it up. Corey Pavin yeah. fucked it up by letting his wife design the rain suits in oh, Wales. Oh, God, what a shit show that was. That decision alone set the tone for the week. Yeah, it did. Well, let's let's talk about setting the tone for the week then, because when they went down four to one after the first match, of course, President's Cup, they only play one a day the first two days. But down four to one, it was looking as if his decision to bring Patrick Reed on that airplane and not send his ass home was a very bad decision. It was you know, all signs were. I think Tiger realized this, Ron. I think he realized that to send him home would be a bigger downer, a bigger negative, and that the die had been cast and they were just going to have to sort of rally around him and do their best. That, that was yeah. the best strategic decision. Do you think Tiger likes or respects Patrick Reed? I can't even begin to guess. Do I, you I really like don't. or respect Patrick Reed after uh, this? I love him that he's, uh, you know, such a, a dick. A good, Yeah, well, just such a good, a good player. Heel? Yeah, a okay. good, good about, player, what and he plays you? hard for his country. What do you That's think, what I respect about him. What do you think about the cheating, though? Because... I lost a tremendous any amount of respect I had for him. I lost, and I hate to say that. I hate it. As a guy who plays uh, as much competitive golf as anybody, as you know. Because that, if you uh, saw that in one of your uh, events here in the D.C. area, one of your amateur events, you'd be like, that's a penalty. And if, uh, and if egregious a, as egregious a penalty as one can even right. begin to right. free to uh, have or do, yeah. um, it's like you talked about on your show out here. You said that the essence of the game really comes down to rule number one: is do play not the ball, improve your life. Play, play the, the ball, ball as, as it lies. It lies. Yeah, right. and as someone who not only plays in golf tournaments, now being a rules official as right. I am. You know, I get to, I have to wear that hat too. It's, you know, it just sucks. That's what it's, Steve. It sucks that it happened. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know that he, this is what he does. Well, I don't know if he has this fuck off attitude where he's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to do this shit. And I know you already don't like me. So I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get away with it. But if I do get away with it, it makes all you fuckers look dumber because you didn't see it. And if you do see it, you already don't like me. And you already think I'm a cheater, so yeah. controversy is well, going to follow me, and I'm going to have a cloud over my head and fuck off. Yeah, you that's, know? that's kind just, of it. it. The it, whole thing was so unfortunate. 
it was so unfortunate and you cannot even begin to justify or explain what he was doing in that bunker. Unfortunately, again, this is un- yes. he was improving his lie by so taking conspicuous backswings that took d- sand out of the way and he yep. didn't have to do it. It was a stupid hit and giggle event with a no cut field in the Bahamas. And if you cared about your reputation, which I think he doesn't at this point, yeah. you would never risk it on an event like that. I and mean, maybe, yeah, and maybe this guy is so enamored with Tiger Woods. I mean, we know he wears red on the on Sunday right. because of Tiger. Maybe he wanted to win this event, Tiger's event, so badly that it completely clouded his judgment. Yeah, um, I don't well, know that you would see. I don't know that you could find a more egregious broach of the rules. It was pretty breach broach, whatever it was. Let's 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 see if we can think. Just real scan our hard drives right now of the next most egregious case of cheating in golf that was caught by a significant player on a world stage. There's always these stories like they talked about how VJ Singh in the like on the Africa tour or something signed a wrong scorecard and that sort of followed him around. There was a stories way back in the day of uh Mark Mc, Mark McNulty? No. Uh not Mark O'Meara. Some other doofus uh, marking his ball improperly, inchworming it, you know, ahead of his uh, Uh ball marker. Yep. Uh, Bob Toskey, I think it was. Okay. And there's another, and of course, the story about Gary Player, where apparently he gave the wink of an eye, you know, he winked his eye at someone and said something along the lines of, (laughs) you know, we didn't see that or, right. Don't Don't look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't don't know. know. But the timing, the timing, you know, that's going back to Tiger. He puts so much effort into this and you can't help but think that he's just thinking to himself, why me? Why the fuck is this happening right now? Right. But But he handled it. He handled it. Plus, uh, Reed's caddy punched a fan on Saturday, <laughs> and they handled it. He got into it with a crowd, and he was making an ass of himself, and and they handled it. So they were they were on him too. They right. were really on him. So to wrap the event up, the one thing I don't want people to do is don't jump in there and start messing around with the President's Cup. Like it needs this, it needs that. I read a piece by Eamon Lynch of Golf World saying it. It needs a shakeup. It's stale. It's dying. We should add women. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, this is not the Wendy's three tour challenge. Leave the event alone that, you know, Asian players deserve a chance to compete on a stage like this. Same thing for South American players and African players. Don't take that away. Sorry. You know, some things Ron, in life and sports need time to ferment and to grow. Not everything is a smash hit all the time. When I saw the people there at that event and I saw the corporate tents and I saw that Golf Channel televised it, got a very good rating for them, I said, what's the fucking problem? There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing broken. Did the players commit to the event and engage fully? Yes, 100%. Don't change it. I, uh, the way that the international team, you could see how badly they wanted to win this event, and and I always think about when I watch these events, not so much with Europe in the Ryder Cup because they're Europeans. They played the European Tour together. They've a lot of cases, you know, they're from the same country. They've traveled together, this and that, and their families are friends. But for these guys to think about these CT Pan playing with a Mark Leishman or something, <laughs> completely 
foreign to one another, yeah. but to see how how well they bonded and how badly they wanted to win. Everybody wants to beat the Americans. What's There's interesting, no what I love about these events, by the way, the only thing I'd change is this whole rule that there can be ties in this is insane. Like, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. understand that. But uh, the thing that I love about these team golf events is that it is an exhibition, but none of these guys want to lose. And so they fucking fight like crazy not to lose. How do we get that attitude in, say, the NBA All-Star game? Yeah. Like, it's no, an exhibition. Why can't we have a really intense NBA All-Star game in which neither side can stomach the idea of losing? Why does it have to be a layup and dunk line? Yeah, I, I know. I know. I don't know. Well, they, you know, they're not playing for country, first of all, or for continent. Um, okay. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. See, Steve, the way that you can really gauge what this means to these guys is in the post round interview. When you see the big pupils, when you see the adrenaline, oh, yeah. you hear the adrenaline, when you hear them say how incredibly nervous they were, uh, I forget what team, what guy it was on the international team. He said, coming down a stretch, he said that that was as nerve wracking. Uh, golf as I've had. He said that was fun, but I, I don't know that I, yeah, he said, I don't know that I really would want to do that again. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> it's did. It's the because, President's Cup. It's not even the Ryder Cup. It's not the no, Masters, the but, U.S. But Open, to, the British but Open. But for the them, PGA. it is. Uh, oh, no, but for, for them, it was. I mean, oh, nobody, Adam Scott. Adam yeah. Scott. Adam he, Scott. Wow. He said how intense it was. And you saw Kuchar. Uh, Kuchar forgot to shake hands with his opponent. At the end, when he made the putt to win, he went skipping into his crowd. And in that interview afterwards, you could see he was so jacked up. He was so jacked. But Steve, the nerves. Yeah. You know, no one, none think, of us can even begin. I we can't begin to understand. He didn't what, shake. Yeah, he didn't shake hands because the match wasn't. Oh over. yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. The you're cup, exactly the right. The cup was you're, over, but the match you're, wasn't. You're right. And then I he, thought of that, and then, and then he, three, right. put, he three putted eighteen to cost you better some money. <laughs> right, but no, you're exactly right. But but still, the he gave him like a little pat on the back. But but you know the nerves. Like I feel nerves when I'm trying to qualify for the Maryland Open or the, you know, the U.S. Amateur, especially, I feel the nerves. But it, it, I can't even imagine what these guys are feeling. Yeah. You, I mean, just look at, uh, you Nobody, know, the famous Calcavecchia story. I know. Well, you <laughs> know, no one wants to look stupid in golf, even if it is just an exhibition. And you want to win your match. It, very prideful, which is cool. I'd love to see our all-star games. I'd love to see the NHL be able to have an all-star game that's a real hockey game where guys play hard, and the same thing for the NBA. I don't expect it for the NFL because injuries are far too more important and they're more likely in one of those games. But yeah. you're not going to get injured in a – for the most part, you're not going to get fucking injured in an NBA All-Star game that's played at full-bore intensity. It'd be incredible to see, but uh, it's just not in the the ecosystem, I guess, or the ethos currently of uh, the pro leagues. Let me, no, uh, let me press ahead here. I want to ask you about mm -hmm. tickets. You have – Partial plan season tickets for the Wiz. Yes. Next year, Capital One Arena is going all mobile for almost every ticket that they have, whether it's Caps, Wiz, or uh, concerts. Now, there's a lot of benefits to this. No printing costs, easier delivery. Um, it reduces scalping. Fraud is cut down as well, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is, I have a problem with it in that 
now you're in their ecosystem. They are now into your data. They're going to have your email address. They're going to make you download the app. And I just don't like the fact that we can't just anymore have a ticket in our pocket to say, yeah, I got this ticket at work for the game. I'm going to go. And it's nobody's fucking business but mine that I'm going. Yep. How do you uh, how do you feel about it? Are you fully comfortable with the fact that it's going to be all mobile now, no matter what? Well, I kind of saw the writing on the wall because right now, when we got when I got my tickets, when I met with the guy who has the season ticket plan, and I bought half the deal with him, I got he he gave me my hard tickets. In fact, that's how we went through and distributed which games. I picked one, he picked one, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So then, though, if he sends me like he hasn't been able to go to one of the games. He couldn't go to the Houston games. So he sent me the tickets online. And since I accepted those tickets, it then made the hard ticket no good. Ah. So it, it immediately activated the soft ticket. But what I do when I get home from any sporting event, whether it's the military bowl next week that I'm going to with my son or a concert or what any event, I save the ticket stub. So it's just, I'm not gonna really like it, you know, because oh yeah, if it's gonna be us. LeBron's last time coming, or if it's someone, you know, that we or there was a very memorable game, I have that with my son where I can save that ticket, and when I'm long gone and he can have all these tickets, he can look back and say, oh fuck, I remember that, yeah, I remember that. Well, I'm not gonna have that anymore. I'll never so. forget when I was in high school, my buddy Andy Janowiak, whose parents had season tickets to the Capitals. And I was lucky enough to go with him on many nights out to Landover. We'd get our homework done real quick. We'd pile into his uh, dark forest green Pontiac GTO muscle car. Nice. (laughs) And we'd we'd rumble our way around the Beltway. After school, probably 5 to 6 p.m. at night, Ron. And we would get from Great Falls, Virginia, all the way to Landover, Maryland, with nary any traffic trouble whatsoever. Oh, yeah, back in the day. Back in the 1980s, that was a no-big-deal yep. type of commute. Now you're basically, you just laugh thinking, yeah. Oh, it'd be two hours. <laughs> right, exactly. Easily. Two hours to go 41 miles. <laughs> right. So we'd rumble on out there. We would stop at a Popeye's Chicken in Lanham, Maryland. <laughs> oh, my God, it's still there. Yeah, well, because... It, <laughs> We didn't have Popeyes over in white bread, uh, suburban uh, Northern no, Virginia. No, no way. And we would go to Popeyes and we'd go to the games and it was so great. And I would keep the ticket stubs from Andy Janoyak's ticket season tickets, because unlike the Ticketmaster tickets that were just sort of computerized jibber jabber, yeah. these were nice, clean little strips that had the logos of oh, yeah. all the opposing teams. And even though I'm just 16 years old and probably too old to be this much of a nerd, I kept them on a bulletin board lined up neatly. Bink, 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 sure. bink. Nordiques, Flames, Canadians, uh, you know, Penguins, Rangers. Ottawa I Senators. Loved it. And so <laughs> oh, now yeah. with all this electronic shit, and I know that they'll purport to say, but we can give you bonuses for discounts on concessions and we'll sign you up in our fan club. They want your data. They want to know when you come, where you go in the stadium. They want to track you. Once you're in your, they're in your phone. They're in your life. Yep. Steve, I went to. Uh, I bought a pair of pants from Tommy Bahama. I like their stuff. I bought a nice pair of it's pants from there. I gave them my. The sheet. And she said, "Well, 
can I have your email address? Cause we send a lot of specials out. I said, how much stuff are you going to send? She goes, Oh, we don't send that much. I no shit. I get three to four emails from them a day. Oh my God. A day. Oh my Same God. Thing. And, and I'm, I bought my son a Duke <laughs> basketball Jersey last year before the uh, sweet 16 that came out here. I took him to that game and he wanted the Duke Jersey because of Zion, of course. And Ever since that, I get, I swear to you, I get from the Duke University, uh, you know, online store. It's one after another, one after another. Um, and I do get a lot from Monumental, you know, which is Ted Leonsis's place. But and some, you know of what I'm stuff, interested- some of the stuff I don't mind getting, but I just, I don't know. People will laugh at me saying, Zabe, you are, they, they know so much about you right now. You have no idea. This is, should be the least of your worries. Yeah. And I, you know what I'm interested to see, that, Steve? Yeah. What? I'm interested to see when the gambling, because you know, Ted Leonsis, and for people who don't know, he's the owner of the Capitals, the Wizards, the Mystics, everybody. But he is one of the uh, forerunners, you know, the front runners. Oh, he's pushing the, the gambling, gambling thing hard. Oh, huge. Yeah. But you so know what, I'm though? I'm interested to see how that's going to work out. Yeah. Well, it currently it's all tied up in typical DC government stupidity, but I'll say this, um, Ted doesn't know shit about gambling. It's obvious. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Every time he talks, yeah. you're like, okay, clearly Ted, you've never really bet on anything sporting wise yeah. in your life. Cause he's talking about things that I've had gambling experts say there's no market for it. Ted would be like, we're going to have an app on your phone and you'll be able to say bet whether the next free throw is made or not during the game. It'll help engage our list, our customers and our fans. I had a gambling expert say there's no market for that. Like it's a micro market that lasts 30 seconds. If that right, the, the, the electronic jujitsu needed to set up a wager on okay, who's at the line? What's his oh, free yeah, throw shooting percentage? Yeah. What is at what stage of the game is it? Is it early where he might be fresh and not his legs not so tired? What about late? Is it a pressure situation? What's the score? And on and on and on to set the proper odds for that. There, there yeah. it's too much for a right. bet that's going to come and go in thirty seconds. You're not going to make a lot of money on that. But Ted keeps talking like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Steve, have you been betting on football at all? Are you my mom? No, I'm just wondering if you bet. <laughs> I don't I don't bet, but a lot it seems like all of my friends no. are, but do you do you bet at all? No, a very very little. Occasionally, of course, I've got uh my account at our official Zabecast offshore account that is uh um uh, why can I not think tonight, Ron? Well, it's because you're tired. We can we can you mean my bookie? The- yeah, my bookie. At my bookie, I've got an account. It has maybe a hundred and forty dollars in it, and okay. when I remember to fire in some bets, I will for ten, fifteen, twenty bucks. I bet with my mouth. Like when I make my picks with Mister X on Friday show, that right. is my bet. And so when I do well, I feel good. When I do like shit, I feel bad, and that's my wagering. I don't really bet any significant money on the NFL and thank God because I've been terrible this year. Well, that's what I was going to ask you too. I just didn't know the way some of these games are going and the way the officiating and everything. I don't know. I, I, when I'm watching a game, I don't gamble, but when I'm watching a game, I'm pretty aware of the line. And I think to myself, uh, 
It's like the uh, the Redskins game the other Imagine night. Imagine if you had an uncomfortable <laughs> amount of money on that game. It's just unfucking believable what happened at the end of that game. Yeah, well, that <laughs> I know. That's why gambling is it's, crazy. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like I always think about if you're sitting there with your wife and your kids and you got your family over, you know, your parents and stuff, and you just lost like 350. You think you're going to win. 350 you, how about four grand yeah or four yeah, yeah. And you just how do you most i've ever it? bet most i've ever bet on a single game is a thousand dollars and i've done that four times in my life that was in vegas i did a couple in do- vegas I, I got a pretty good record when i finally go in for a grand but it's it's more than i care to gamble i really i don't like losing a thousand dollars in a blink of an eye no, not fun not at all i love winning it but then then again i don't like losing it worse right. than i do winning it all right anything else ron on the way out the door today uh i was at when i was at home i got to play basketball in the hoosiers gym i think oh! i sent you the pictures God God, damn it was it. awesome all right give me the we'll 30... talk about it another time it was great no i was... got i got 30 seconds give me the okay. lowdown it was at hickory high it, it, well it's uh, yeah fictitious yeah it's in knightstown indiana and the guy there bob garner who runs it he, he's a one-man show they have high school games there they even have some college games uh, I have um, become a donor to the place, and as a result, I get to have the gym, and we had it for two hours. I took my family in there, my son and my nephews, and we played pickup five-on-five basketball at the home of the Hickory Huskers. Even though spectacular. And what's the real high school that it is? Uh, it's not a high school anymore. It's it's like a community center, but oh, it used okay. to be. Yeah, Milan High School. Is Milan the High story, and Hickory but, was yeah. the fictional. Okay, very exactly. good. Did All you, right, buddy. Did, wait, did you bring the pole? <laughs> no, we didn't. That was at <laughs> Hinkle Fieldhouse. That was at Hinkle. I don't give a shit. They... Bring the pole next time. Measure the hoops. <laughs> All right, Ron. We'll see you, buddy. See you, brother. Merry Christmas. Bye. See you, pal. Bye, bye. <laughs> God. Ron is doing life right. He really is. When I say that he's my idol, I am really not exaggerating. Good for Ron. All right, let's let's end on this one today. Two, three deadly snakes were seen wrapped in a death struggle around a Christmas decoration on a busy shopping street in downtown Melbourne. The reptiles were identified as a red-bellied black snake, lethal, eastern brown, and tiger snake. I think all three of them lethal in Australia. Uh, It was a a hell of a picture, especially to see it in the middle of downtown uh, Melbourne, Australia. However, the snakes were pets, and they had been placed on the pole by their owner, for the festive picture. The snake's owner is Raymond Moser, known as the snake man, who told him the snakes were no longer poisonous as they had had their venom removed. Members of the Australian Backpackers 2019 group were quick to identify the reptiles. One commenter said, how they got our three most venomous snakes on the same pole, I'll never know. Well, because it was a setup. Again, further proof, people in life, it's a work. It's all a work. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow is football five ways Friday. It's week 16. It is the come to Jesus week in the NFL. It's where divisions will be settled in some cases, and it's where dreams will be crushed in others. 
We will set up the entire Week 16 slate for you. Mr. X will join me, as always, to give his picks and mine. They're not that great this year, but you never know when we might get hot. Also, we'll have Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis and Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports to talk college football. That plus charge with one last dollop of fantasy advice to help win your fantasy league. I am in first place in the final week to go of the Whiskey League, Guillotine League. It would be an amazing thing for me to win this league, and I'll have more whiskey than I can drink in a lifetime. Hope you uh, subscribe to it. I appreciate everybody who does. Even if you're not a huge base football fan and want to support the overall cause of the Zabecast, I do appreciate your $5 a month. I take it very, very much to heart. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourself a great Thursday, and we will see you next time.